Let's take our Bibles to the book of Philippians. Isn't it a blessing to know that God gives us a chance to get in the race and to work at it and to finish well? You may have fallen this past week, but the Bible says a just man falleth seven times and riseth again. You can get back in the race. Philippians chapter 2. You ever feel like we're living in a nation of crooks and perverts? You ever feel that way? Well, you know the Philippians felt the same way. It says there in chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. The truth is, since Eve took that fruit and gave it to her husband also with her, this world has been full of crooks and perverts. What's a crook? Well, it's somebody that's bent. When you're crooked, you are curved in a, in a bent shape. Well, what is that? Curved, what do you mean? Turned, well, pervert means turned away. Literally, that's what it means. You know what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You know the reason why it feels like we're living in a nation of crooks and perverts? Because we are. In fact, we're living in a world full of crooks and perverts. Just uh, the last eight days, ten days or so, there's a guy that uh, has become very famous, uh, virally famous, by the name of Oliver Anthony. And he's just a, just a redneck. How many have heard of him? Have you seen him? That, man, that video is making its way because it's, it's crossing uh, lines, ideological lines, uh, political lines. And uh, it's basically just a, a redneck rant, and, and I, it resonates with me. Um, I'm born in West Virginia. My heritage is from Appalachia, and certainly uh, a lot of truth in that thing. This is the guy's first time recording with a professional microphone, and uh, he normally did use his phone, but he uses professional mic, first time ever, and his video has hit 27 million hits so far. A lot of people are saying, wow, this guy, man, he, he's speaking. I mean, all colors, all, all ranks and, and statuses or levels, whatever you want to call it, classes of people. I mean, they're going, this guy's speaking for me. And, uh, I mean, he hits everything. You know, he's like a good southern preacher. He just, he condemns it all. You know, he, inflation, he addresses that. Uh, welfare state, obesity, you name it. He's just clicking it all off and... And how this, you know, uh, child trafficking, suicide, and and it's kind of a, a blue collar anthem. Someone called it the protest song of our generation. And I certainly, as a human, I listen to that, and I, you know, there's nothing there's nothing I like better than being able to say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of those people. And the truth is, those people are perverts and they're crooks, and we need to remember that. It's important. But as he says here in Philippians, God's put us here in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Ecclesiastes 
contains a verse. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Think about the inventions that have been sought. Even even something like one of the biggest producer of inventions that ever comes in a culture is a war. And they they want to develop technology so they can kill other people faster. Kill more people faster. And, and in the wake, of course, we have all kinds of technological advancements in, in, in uh, transportation, you know, and, and power producing and, uh, and, and, and different types of materials that are developed. I think about the, uh, the space race that is still going on much less than it used to in the 60s. But that whole idea, the stated purpose of NASA is, is to get out there and colonize and, and take minerals and, and learn and develop a safe haven for humans to get out there um, and, and to prove also, to prove everywhere you go, to prove that there is no God. You say, what is all this about? It, it is the heart of man that is the problem. And I'm here to tell you, the heart of man is not just them, but it's us. Sad truth is, I am what's wrong with my nation. Not we are what's wrong with our nation. I'm what's wrong with our nation. He said that the love of money is the root of how many kinds of evil? It's the root of all evil. The Bible tells us in this passage, there's a way that you can avoid being sucked down into the vortex of a wicked and perverse nation. I'm glad to tell you that there's a way, but I want you to take your Bibles to several places today. Let's go look at Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. I, I, I have to say this in, in, in full transparency, which can be dangerous. You know, if you're going to listen to that song, don't, you know, don't remember that I told you to listen to it, and I didn't. It's very blue-collar, and his language is coarse, and it's, some of it's wrong. But there's a part of me that hears it, and I said, yeah. I mean, the guy's singing his guts out. It's the anguish of his soul. And, and as all, uh, you know, hillbilly country music can, in a way that only that type of music can really produce. The, the, the angst that he feels, and he's getting it out, and I'm feeling, yeah, that's, that's, that's... But, you know, I noticed something about it. It was in most, in most music. It's great at telling you what's wrong, but it doesn't give you any solutions to make it right. Someone said that the reformer is usually right about what's wrong, but he's wrong about what's right. There's all kinds of people that unite over the fact that this is a, this is a, a, a we used to live. How many used to live in a, in a country where uh, kids came home when the lights came on? No one worried about it. How many lived in a country, you remember, where you left your, your door unlocked, right? And we look at that and we say, man alive, those days are gone. And maybe they are. Some of us still sometimes leave our doors unlocked. I'm not telling you where I live. 
Why? There's just the part of me that rebels against thievery. I don't know what it is. I'd say, it's not my fault that you came and stole from me. That's just, I'm a weird person that way. My wife doesn't agree. She says, that's why you had stuff stolen out of your car. I said, it was them that was wrong, not me. I'm just, I'm just weird that way. And I understand there's another side of that and all that, and I hear that uh, probably more than you know. <laughs> Isaiah 59. Don't try to get me sidetracked. We're getting back to the Bible here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Isaiah 59. But the reason I say that is because look at how he starts. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It's not God's fault. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Could it be that your lack of peace is your own doing? Now, it's a very popular thing today. And I'm, certainly, I'm certain there's times when it's true. But it's very popular to say, it's because of my mom, it's because of my dad, it's because of my uncle, it's because of my neighbors, it's because of my coworkers, it's because of my sister, it's because of my spouse that my life is so messed up. But did you notice that he said, they have made them crooked paths. They're twisted and bent. The Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. This nation is crooked because it has a twisted root. The twisted root produces twisted lives. Therefore, verse 9, is judgment far from us. Where does this unequitable, crazy decisions by judges come from? It comes from the crooked hearts of the people of America. That's where it comes from. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far, far off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. 
You know what's wrong with the culture? I'm wrong with the culture. My heart is the problem with America. No one's going to say amen to that. You know why? Because it's painful to admit that my sin is my fault. It's even more painful to admit that my sin has an effect on you. And that my lack of standing for truth is what caused the truth to fall in the street. We sometimes as believers, we, we look at ourselves and we cloister ourselves and isolate ourselves and make sure we cover uh, all the windows and keep everything hermetically sealed so that none of the world comes in and we just watch it on our phones and on our TVs. But we would never be a part of this wicked, horrible world and never think that we have anything to do with it. And yet, it is because no one stands with truth and for truth that truth falls in the street. How many people does it take to lift up truth? It only takes one person to lift it up. But Isaiah said, hey, here in Israel, nobody's picking up the truth and holding it up. It's falling in the streets. Let's take our Bibles to Romans in the, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1. If you wandered in here this morning, uh, maybe you're having second or third thoughts about this. This is, this is, this is going to be a little bit rough, but I'm happy to tell you that there's a good ending. Not going to be in this message, but eventually there will be a good, mess. There will be a good ending. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against other people's ungodliness. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. That's a tough one. They've got the truth and they managed to wedge it into their life of unrighteousness. Why? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Where is God? I don't see God. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What holds the stars in the sky? No man has ever put a star in the sky and kept it there making its great circuitous route throughout the universe. Okay, who put it there? That's a question you have to answer. You know what man says through evolution? We put it there. Basically, how do we know? We figured out where it came from. So we basically are the ones that are responsible for it being there. Isn't that amazing how as humans, we can have nothing whatsoever to do with, with the appearance of matter out of thin air and yet somehow we feel proud because we know. And we certainly would say it's never, it never could be God that put it there. Why? Because as Richard Dawkins says, even if we were seated here by aliens, those aliens would have certainly evolved from natural processes. We even think that if it were aliens that put us here, we know where the aliens came from. How proud is mankind? Why? Because when they knew that which may be known of God was manifest in them, watch what it says. It says, even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse. 
Okay, he said the wrath of God is revealed. Why? In verse 19, because they know that there was something they could have known from God, but they didn't want to know it. Verse 21, here's another reason. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. How dare God put unthankfulness in a list like that? We're talking about the heathen. Well, we're talking about mankind in general, and me in particular. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, clicks and likes, hearts, thumbs up, vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. It had more light, but as they focus on themselves and forget God and refuse to be thankful for what God has done, in other words, humble yourself to God, their heart gets darker. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. I'm just concerned about my image. What kind of image is I? This is exactly what he's talking about. An image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, such as uh, Avatar, where one being takes on the form of another being in order to accomplish what he could not in his own being. Wherefore, verse 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. What do you do with God's truth? Well, not only are you not lifting it up and holding it, you you change it into a lie so that you don't even believe what God said. Why? How do you change the truth of God into a lie? Well, here's what you do. You worship and serve something other than the Creator. Namely, yourself. You make a creator in your own image. He says in verse 24 of 23, change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Man is infatuated with image. God is a spirit, invisible to the human eye. Not invisible in the spirit realm, but to the human eye, he is invisible. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. So what happens is, In our lives, we get fed up with that invisible God who doesn't jump to like the great genie from the lamp. He doesn't step forward and say, how may I serve thee today? We get get tired of waiting on God. We get tired of humbling ourselves to God. And so we start heaping chicken soup for the Christian soul upon our hearts. We start looking for little images and trinkets and little coffee mugs that say, you know, God first and then coffee. We, we, we find these things that make, that, that we can focus on. Faith. We see that, you know, always, uh, say your prayers. We, we, we want to visualize it desperately. We've got an entire Christian subculture on, on visualizing with trinkets and, and with, with clothes and with blankets and with stickers and with everything else. You say, what's wrong with those things? They're a poor substitute for the real God. Now, I'm not saying, listen, we've got them. We've got the mugs. We've got different stuff, and hey, it's, it's, it's not wicked and horrible. But if we're not careful, we somehow think that God is, is, is this being that walks around in, in, in this image or this particular object. God is above all those things. 
He's above our five senses. You can't put God in a box. He says in verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It's not enough that I'm corrupted in my heart. I want to engage in uncleanness with other people. Change the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. It was uncleanness, and now it progresses. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Do you see that God calls homosexuality, sodomy, he calls it vile affection. Vile affection. Now, if, if, you, if you have friends or family or you are of the LGBTQIA plus community, let me say this. I did not say that I have vile hatred towards you. But I will say this. God said that that particular sin is vile affection. It's wrong. It's sinful. It should not be. I do not believe that they should be burned I don't believe they should be stoned. What I believe is that what they are doing is sinful. And what's amazing is Americans, uh, it's, it's amazing how far even the trans community has pushed the LGBT community so that now you've got old school lesbians and, and, and gay men who are like, we ain't down with the trans stuff. That's not us. That's not where, you see how that just, the Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. You got to push that envelope. Keep on going. Hey, listen, I think you're safe in here. You can say amen. Okay, listen, if you can't say amen in church, when are you ever going to be able to stand for the truth when you're not around God's people? There needs, there needs to be a time where you can stand and say this is the truth. Now, now, don't come to me in, in a bigoted way. Don't be bigoted towards me. Okay, are you with me? Don't tell me what I think should happen to you. You don't know. Well, I will tell you what I think should happen to you. I think you should get saved. I really do. Because there were people in, in the church there in the New Testament who were former homosexuals, and God loves to save sinners. But you have to admit it's sin before he will forgive that sin. You have to turn from that sin by repenting and trusting in what Jesus Christ did to pay for those sins. And he can save you in a heartbeat. Man, I'm happy to tell you that. And I I hope that you get saved. But it's important for us as as Americans to remember, as as Christian Americans, to remember what God thinks about that. And And if you say, well, you better be careful, they're going to come after you. Listen, I don't know what to tell you. I'm supposed to preach the Bible. Okay? And so, and, and I, we got people here that are nervous. Be careful, be careful. Listen, you're not careful when you stand up for Ohio State and go after it. You don't give a rip. Why? Because you think you're right. Here's the cool thing about being a Christian. It doesn't matter whether I'm right or not. All you have to do is rightly divide the Bible, and God's always right. And guess what? 
If you think I'm coming after just the LGBT, you've got another thing coming. Could I tell you why there's an LGBT in community? Well, number one, because the heart of man is wicked and always has been pushing this ever since. I mean, there were, there were homosexual Crow Indians, Native Americans, before there ever was a, a Western European culture that came over here. It's been in every culture. You let the thing go, it happens. Why? It's a natural inclination to be crooked, to be perverse. It is. It's, it's the way it is. But can I tell you the reason why it, there's so many people that way? Because so, somewhere along the line, people stopped holding up the truth. Someone stopped saying, Here, here's what God says. And some people said, man, it's a sin, it's wicked, until my daughter decided... Right? And listen, if that happens to you, you think, I'll stand. Be harder than you think. Be harder than you think to stand against your own flesh and blood. But that's the whole idea of being born again is that God and I decided to stand against my flesh and blood. And I want to keep standing for God no matter what my family or my friends or my relatives do. What should you do if you have uh, a gay coworker or a loved one. You should pray for their soul to be saved. You should show them the love of God and you should speak the truth in love. Guess what? They already know what you think. If you're any kind of a Christian at all, they already know what you think. You might surprise them by being nice to them. Pray for them. Make them some cookies. Take them out to eat. Are you with me this morning? This was not really part of the message. In the sense of it wasn't a focused part, but I want you to understand, this is where God's called us to be. And we can blame the former generation all we want to. And by the way, isn't it true that, it's, that they're kind of responsible for some of the stuff that happened, that's happening now, the former generation? I think it's only fair to say that. You know what's also fair to say? I'm responsible for what's happening now and what my children will deal with. We have to keep this in mind. Look what he says. He says, it's vile affections, but notice who changed the truth of God into a lie. Verse 23, changed the glory of the incorruptible God. Verse 21, glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. So the Bible tells us that this is the, this is the history of pagan, heathen, Gentile nations. It's the history of every human, the heart of every human. And what, what our text tells us in Philippians is that he has put us here in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Now, now hold your place, if you would, uh, in Philippians, and maybe you don't have it there, but we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6 and then to Philippians chapter 2. Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says in verse number 4, uh, we, should, we should start at the beginning, Genesis chapter 6. We might as well get that uh, context. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. Who are the sons of God? Those are angels. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, See the distinction between men and sons of God? That they were fair, they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. 
There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare them children, and they bare children to them, the same became became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. You want to know where the Greek mythology came from? It came from right here. Men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So here we have sons of God. They were created by God. They in some way bore the image of God. And they came down to get in on the wickedness of man. You see, man was made lower than the angels. The angels were so interested in what man was doing. What prompted them? What were the machinations of his heart? How did he come up with this thing? They were so infatuated that these angels came in and cohabited. It's sexual sin right here in the early part of man's history. Okay? Now, the Bible tells us that in in the last days it would be, uh, before the coming of the Son of Man, it would be like the days of Noah, and it would be like the days of Lot. And what happened there? In both of those cases, there was great wickedness. There was vile debauchery going on. And visitors from another place came to get in on it. In one case, they came to enjoy it. In the other case of Sodom and Gomorrah, they came to rescue people from it. Now, what are we dealing with today? We are dealing with a time where there will be great spiritual uh, deception and uh, I believe a great religious awakening, not a biblical call to repentance necessarily, but there will be an arising of people being interested in spiritual things. Have you noticed recently that the government's no longer denying UFOs? They're coming out and saying, we don't really know, but we'll set up a hotline to talk about it. It's crazy stuff. What are you saying? I'm saying that there are such things as fallen angels. I'm saying that there's a good chance that they will come masquerading as aliens from another planet somewhere. They will come, they will tell us, hey, and by the way, what if it was artificial intelligence that somehow brought an image to life, brought some kind of a machine to life, and everyone said, oh, look at this. It happened once. Life came from non-life. And now here it is again. The ghost in the machine is real. Now, you could take that and chew on it and think about it. But the whole point is that the sons of God, it happened one time. Now, don't go in there and try to say, well, we see, you know, that's probably the, you know, the godly line of Seth and so forth. You're going to have a hard time explaining how the sons of God, the godly line of Seth, were there before God ever created humans. When they saw the creation of the world and they shouted for joy. No, it's sons of God are angels. They are made in somehow the image of God, in this case, the fallen image of God. You see, they had a chance to worship and praise God, and because of their sin, they fell, and they cohabited, and, and, and we end up with all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, Avengers, Marvel, and DC would never, wouldn't be able to make any money if they didn't borrow from what actually happened. It's very exciting. Very interesting. But I want to show you something in Philippians chapter 2. 
There is a mirror, or there is an echo, so to speak, in our text. The Bible says, in verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. You know, in the Old Testament, the people of God were not called the sons of God. They were the children of God. They were the people of God. But they were not called the sons of God. The sons of God are men, are women, who have been born again. Born again. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When, when, when the Bible starts getting real to you, when you realize He actually means what He says, that this wicked world was in darkness, and so God sent His Son to this earth so that you could be rescued from this wicked planet, And he did so by allowing you and I the opportunity to become sons of God. Well, how do we do that? You believe on his name. Well, what does that mean? You have to believe this, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That means he wasn't just a normal human being. He lived a sinless life, and then he died on a cross for the sins of the whole world. He died for the sins of you and for me. And when he died, he paid for those sins Because of the wrath of God, those sins had to be paid for. Jesus paid for those sins. And now he has placated, he has satisfied, he has made uh, the, the, the angry heart of God towards sin. He has made it rejoice because the payment has been made. God was offended. Jesus fixed it. And you can be, you can receive not just forgiveness, you can receive sonship. You are a son of God. It's, ama- it's, it's amazing. And so what happens is, he said in Philippians chapter 2, he said that we are here as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Notice, among whom God intentionally put his sons in the midst of crooks and perverts. You and I are in this world. He said, verse number 15, in the midst. Among whom? You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to get away. We're trying to hide. We're trying to say, I don't want nothing with this world. It's not like I remember it. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Listen, if you're 12, you remember when it was better in America. Amen. If you're 50, if you're 70, if you're 125, you could keep going. You, could, you know what actually happens? I'll tell you what happens. Things get really, really bad and really get worse. And then they get worse. And then something happens where God gives a reprieve. God gives a little space for grace. Would, would you believe if I told you that legal authorities that, that talk and, and argue about religious liberty in America say this? There was a recent... Um, uh, decision that came down from the Supreme Court. And this is what legal authorities that work in the area of religious liberty say. This 
is a golden era of religious liberty. Look it up. Now listen, God didn't owe that to us. The people in Philippi didn't necessarily have that. Under Under the boot of Roman oppression, they didn't have that. You and I have that right now. How many of you heard back when, you know, the, 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 that, that bakery that, that said, we're not going to make cakes for, the, for someone who's lesbian and gay because we don't believe that they're properly married biblically? How many of you went to court, went to the Supreme Court? Guess what happened? Supreme Court said, yeah, you don't have to make cakes. Wait, that's not the way it's supposed to go. It's supposed to get worse and worse and worse and worse. You see, what happens is this. The devil has, has somehow deceived, and maybe it's our own heart, that somehow the world is wicked and wicked, and I'm somehow better and better and better the further I stay away from it, that that's not what God called us to. God called us to be in the midst. Now listen, if you're like, that's what I've been saying. When's the last time you witnessed to your coworker? I'm just waiting for the light of Jesus to shine out. He didn't give you a physical light. He gave you a book. And it's got words in it, and you can share those words with people. They're called the words of life. In this passage, it's called the word of life. Jesus Christ himself is called the word of life in 1 John. So it's not just a matter of running and hiding. That's, and our only other alternative is, that's right. That's why I never cut down anyone. I'm always welcoming and I'm caring. Listen. You, you can't keep riding that mule very long in this culture that you're okay with everything. I mean, you ought to be not okay with something. I mean, there, something ought to bother you. The Bible says, speak, speak the truth in love. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Hey, Christian, I'm not talking about you disappearing and, and becoming a chameleon, but you are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. You know the best way? I'm happy that you asked this question. Because it fits really well with my message. 1 John chapter 3, if you would. He puts us here in the midst of crooks and perverts. And here's what he says. Verse number 3, chapter 3, verse 1, 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Christian, if you're not a little bit weird to the world, you're not doing it right. He said the world knew him not, and the world should not know us. That doesn't mean we shouldn't know them. They don't get what makes you tick if you're, if you're a believer letting your light shine. He said, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, he's going to be everything that I hoped he was. He's going to be just like I imagined him to be. Man, I hope my imagination doesn't limit what Jesus Christ is. It says, when we shall see, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Not as my imagination may have in my mind. I see him, Jesus as this. Well, Jesus to me is this and blah, blah, blah. Jesus is who he is. And only way I get to know him is through the pages of this book right here. And all of your religion, all your denominationalism is, is so much hogwash if it doesn't line up with the scripture. He says here, and every man that hath this hope in him, what hope? That he's coming back and that he's going to change my vile body to be made like it is glorious body. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. 
Even as Jesus Christ is pure, my job is to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, to purify myself. Why? Because He made me the Son of God. I was the son of the devil, and the lust of my father I did, but He made me the Son of God, and now my job is to purify my life so that I look like I'm related to Him. Because I am related to Him. You say, you seem awful mad this morning. I, you know what? I think you're probably right. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I, I'm not mad. I'm frustrated because I see in my own heart, I see what God said would be in my heart. Ephesians chapter 5. He says in verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, he didn't say, if you'll walk as children of light, you will be light in the Lord. Although that's certainly true. It will be evident that I am light. But he said, ye are light. Now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The imperative is not, be, a, be light in the Lord. The command is, walk as a child of light. So I am light in the Lord. The nature of Christ in me is the light of the world, but I am supposed to walk as if that were true. Because it is true on the inside. I'm supposed to manifest on the outside, work out my salvation that he worked into me. I'm supposed to push back against, well, what? He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto my Christian subculture. Proving what is acceptable to my friends on, on social media. Proving what is acceptable among my informal poll that I took with my friends to make sure that I was not doing anything that God wouldn't let me do. Hello, somebody. That's what we do. We, we, we say, well, well, I don't know. I mean, my parents always did this. Or my dad never said that was wrong. Or my pastor never said this. Or no, no Christian I know that says this. Hold on a second. Proving what is acceptable, not here in 21st century America, God forbid. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving it. How do I prove it? Study the show thyselves approved unto God. Approved. How do you prove what is acceptable? You study the Bible. Stop reading your Facebook or your, your you know, chicken soup light. I'm sorry, whoever did that, I don't mean any, I know you meant good with the chicken soup. Not trying to be mean to you. I know you helped. But isn't it interesting that we would rather read books about the Bible than read the Bible? You'd rather listen to some YouTube guy break it down for you and thank God for YouTube guys. But aren't we kind of walking past what God gave to every man? This is the book that God gave to every person on the planet. And it's amazing that we walk right by it looking for some help. you got to stay in the book. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, he continues, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of American darkness. No fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather, I can't remember what, okay, let's go on. Verse 12. I'm being sarcastic because he said it's not just enough to distance yourself from people who do wrong. He said to reprove it. 
You know, the Bible says that, that doctrine is given for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's why I'm glad that you're in church this morning. And, and, and I'm thankful that you're at this church, but I'm, I'd like you to be at, at any gospel, Bible-believing church that you could be at that says this is what God says is okay, this is what God says is wrong. And, and Christian, I, again, I don't know why God put a little edge on that this morning, but I'm going to say this. If you're irritated and mad with my spirit, I, all I have to say is, I hope it spurs you to get into the Bible and prove me wrong. And I hope that you take my spirit, I hope God flushes whatever you might have a problem with my flesh, and I hope it bothers you enough to get to know God. I hope it ticks you off enough to read your Bible for once instead of reading your nonsense. Instead of watching your junk. Hope it gets you fired up. You say, I can't understand the Bible. And you never will until you read it and define it. You never will. At some point, you've got to stop asking someone to feed me, feed me. There's nothing to eat in this house. Make yourself a quesadilla. (laughs) Start learning to eat for yourself. Get in the Bible and read the thing. You want some help? God will give you help. I'm not down on you if you don't understand it. Hello, I've been in church all my life. And there's stuff in there I have no idea. I hear preachers talking about it. I'm like, yeah, that's all in there. That's in there. It's definitely part of the book. I have no idea what's going on. It's the way we all are. How do we learn? We take it line upon line, little by little. Here a little, there a little. And you learn, and you learn, and you learn, and you learn. And by the way, if you stop learning the Bible, you're backslidden. I don't care how long you've been saved. You're backslidden. Why? Somehow you eased God out of the pilot seat and you're in it? I don't think so. You still have, and I still have, a whole lot God wants to teach us. Well, I'm retired now. Still looking for the word retired in the Bible as an excuse not to read your Bible, not to know God, not to win souls. That's a construct of American Western culture. That's not in the Bible. You don't dip out on God. fact You should be more intense about God as you get older. You should be more fired up. Why? You had all this time to know him. You've had line upon line, line upon line for decades. You should be more fired up about the person of Jesus Christ. And if you're not, here's what's happening. You're fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 12, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done within the secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. When, when you say it's such a wicked world, this is a, I can't believe how terrible things are, and I can hear that guy singing about how, what's this world gotten to? You know what you should do? Redeem the time. Get busy. Hey, make your complaints. Send your letters. Talk to your government officials. You should do that. That's part of redeeming the time. But the Bible tells us what we should be doing back in our text in Philippians chapter 2. 
Notice here that we are to shine as lights in the world. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be a light in this dark world. You say it's really hard. Yeah, it is. It's very hard. Especially when you don't want to shine the light. Especially when you kind of look around and say, well, nobody else is shining a light. I don't know why I have to shine a light. Why do I have to be so weird? Why do Christians have to always be so dorky? What are you talking about? He said, let it be that hidden man. He told ladies this, by the way. Let it be that hidden man of the heart who's adorning. Let it not be that outward adorning of apparel, putting on of apparel. He said, let it be that hidden man of the heart. God is a spirit, he told the Samaritan woman. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what we're focused on? We're focused on the outside. Focus on what our bodies, what I can get, what I can look like, what I can buy, what, I, what, what can make me feel good, what gadget or what trip or what, what particular landscape of my life can make me feel in my body that I'm enjoying this world. You know what the Lord says? I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. You know, the Lord tells the woman to be modest. What does that mean? It means moderate, medium. It means the most important thing about herself is not how conservatively she dresses or how sensuously she dresses, but that she's the most important thing about it is her spirit. Christian, that's the same for every believer, whether male or female. It is the, it is the light of the world in me that is to be shining it is that I am supposed to put away the unfruitful works of darkness and to live like a son of God without rebuke in the midst of this dark world. And then he says, holding forth the word of life. Not holding forth our charming personalities. Not holding forth our self-derived human wisdom. Not holding forth our frustration with the crooks and perverts. We're supposed to be holding forth the word of life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. How can we shine as lights in a dark world? Back to Philippians chapter 2. This is going to surprise you. Verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Surprisingly, the strength of my light depends on contentment. How can we shine as lights? We've got to stop our murmuring and are disputing. Murmuring is quarreling, quarreling with, with what my lot in life is. Take your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is our last passage this morning. Murmuring is quarreling with God. It's saying, God, I could have managed this better than you. When God gave when God brought Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness and began to provide for them, there were times when they would begin to murmur. 
And murmuring, of course, is one of those words, I can't pronounce it, but it's when a word sounds like what it's describing. Murmur. It, it literally is a low grumbling. I don't, want, I don't want you to hear it, but I want to say it. I, I don't want to be known for, I don't want to be called out, but it's in my heart. It's, it's complaining, it's, it's grumbling. Disputing is quarreling with other people. It's arguing, it's contending. It's taking offense against other people. And, and the Lord told the church at Philippi, he said, do all things in the church, out of the church, without murmuring and disputing. Why? When I murmur, it's because I don't like what's going on. When I dispute, it's when I say, I've got to stand up. Something's not right. And I'm not, you might bull, bully other people. You might bulldoze other people, but you ain't bulldozing me. And we stand up, and it's not for the truth that we're contending. It's for our own way and our own desires. Murmur is more passive resistance, and, and disputing is more proactive resistance. But either way, it's saying, my life right now is not what it ought to be. I don't like the stage I'm in. I don't like Toledo. I don't like my job. I don't like this church. I don't like the people. I don't like the pastor. Uh, don't say amen. I don't like my family. I don't like my house. I don't like this whatever. And just name it. Murmurings. And sometimes those murmurings cause us to dispute. But always there is in them, whether murmur or disputing, there is a lack of contentment with God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 3, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings, of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, what is that? Desiring the attributes of God to be in my life. I want to be like, not like Mike, I want to be like God. I, I, and the more I learn about Jesus Christ, the more I appreciate him and impressed by him. I, I want his attributes to be in me. And he said, if you'll have that spirit with contentment, you will have great gain. What kind of gain? Well, we would be blameless in our life. We would be harmless you see, there's nothing that anyone hates more than a person who stands up and says the right thing, but they're not mean. I want them to be bad. I want, I, I want them to be dark and have a twisted past. But when a son of God stands up and shines as a light, and they're without rebuke in the midst of a very dark culture, and they are blameless and harmless, and they hold forth the word of life, you know what God says? He says, that's a child of God who is going to be showing forth my light. That's when you're going to start seeing traction. 
He says here, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said, For we, verse number 7, for we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and in many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You say, I'm not trying to get rich. I just need a little bit more. I just need more. The love of money is the root of all evil. Could it be that your lack of contentment with what you have, your inability to take what God's given you and rejoice in what you have and where you are, could it be that it's directly connected with your blame? Could it be that it's directly connected with your lack of ability to stand up for God in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation? And you run quickly to ideological political lines and say, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. But it's been a long time since you ever took the Bible and said, let me tell you about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are to hold forth. And the reason why we don't do it, because our hearts are turned away. We murmur in our hearts. I wish I had this. I wish my family was like this. I wish I could make more money. And then we argue with other people. Well, I don't think the Bible says we have to do that. I don't think it's so important that Christians do that. It's not, I mean, listen, we're all just trying to get through the best way. And we blah, 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 blah. We spend our time complaining instead of humbling ourselves. Instead of being a child of God. The Bible says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My job here this morning is simply to tell you that God made you his son in order to stand as a light in this dark culture. To stand with the word of life and to do so without rebuke. Not that you never do anything wrong. Paul said he was blameless in the law. Not that he never sinned. But when he sinned, he did what God told him to do. Maybe at your workplace, your testimony has been ruined. And you need to go back to your coworker or your boss and say, I need to apologize. What I did was not Christ-like. Maybe you need to go home and say, listen, I haven't been acting like a, a, like a Christian in the home. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry, sweetheart, for what I said or did to you. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. God wants to use you in this wicked culture. He's been using the people of God since the beginning. And he will use you if you'll submit yourself to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer.